And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from every morning until midday in the presence of men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mitathiah, Shema, Ananiah, or Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Milkajah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, <laughs> Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book on the, in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and he opened it, all the people, as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabathiah, or Shabathi, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and, and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This is holy. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet. This day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seven months of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all the towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square of the water gate, and in the square of the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booth. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, 
To that day, the people of Israel had not done so, and there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and in the eighth day, there was solemn assembly according to the rule. This is God's word. Amen. You can be seated, family. Thank you, brother. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. May your word speak to us and breathe life into us. Give us an understanding that we might live for you and that the world would notice it, but not because of what we do, but because of the love we're able to display because of your love that has overwhelmed us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So if I was to try to describe God, I could use a number of scriptures from the Bible. Actually, the Bible does a really great job of describing God. We can't get the full picture of God because it's tough for our human minds to, to wrap around it. But we get these images of God as being faithful, steadfast, forgiving, holy, Righteous, pure, loving, loving, loving. We get, we get these images of who God is and his snapshots into his character, into his nature, but you, you can't wrap your mind fully around it. But if I was to try to, to demonstrate physically in this room and I used this podium as the representation of God, how close I am to show my connection with God. If this podium was God, and I was to try to reference and show you how close we are to God, then before you knew Christ, you would not be close to this. I mean, if before you knew Christ, If that's God, you would not be close to this. Before you knew Christ, if I was trying to represent how close you were to God, before you you knew Christ, if, if I was to represent, you wouldn't even be in the room. We we wouldn't even be in his presence. So so then something happens. That Ezekiel says, Ezekiel says this in chapter 11, verse 19. He says, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So something happens to the believer where God says, I'm going to save you. I'm, I'm going to save you. And, and, and I wish that I could just sit here and sometimes confession, prayer, and praise is like my best time of the year because in those moments, you guys reflect and share with one another who God is in your life and what he's been to you. But when you got saved, that connection with God was like this. 
I mean, I mean, when you first got saved, thinking of maybe what you came from or even if you came from an amazing life, there was still this attractiveness, this connection, this intimacy with God that was like, I don't care what else is going on in my life. This is where you're going to find me. Close, intimate. But then something happens in this walk. You see, you, you start that process of sanctification where he's called you to be his. You are close, but then temptation creeps in. Satan creeps in. Life creeps in. And you take like two steps close, and then it's like three steps back, and then you repent. Then you make some more mistakes and and you still are present. You still are in the room. There is still a connection between you and God. But that that deep closeness has over time been lulled to sleep. It's been lulled to sleep because maybe some of your hopes and dreams that you thought where you would be right now ain't where you are. Maybe it's because of some of the people that were closest to you have hurt you in ways that you haven't been able to respond just with letting it go yet. Maybe it's because an addiction that you've had, you've not seen victory in. So you question, am I who he says I am? I don't know. But but it's a part of the Christian life where sin, Satan, doubt, all these things begin to lull us to sleep lull us, just diminish that, that initial fervor. And so now we get to jump into this new series from Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is now, first he was focused on rebuilding the community, but now his excitement is one of revival. And revival is for people who are already saved. Revival is not a, a, an evangelism primarily to, to those that are just unsaved. It's, it's actually a, a refreshing. It's a redrawing you back. Back from whatever has lulled you away over time, slowly. Whatever has drawn you, you're still in the room. You still love him. You still know he's your God. But that first intimacy... That first fervor where you ain't care about what nobody thought. Oh, revival brings us back to that. So this next few weeks that we're going to be covering Nehemiah, we're going to be looking at revival. What is revival? What is the what what brings revival forth in the life of a community of our Christian community? But also what brings revival forth in the life of us as believers? Because the communal experience has personal implications. So we're going to be looking at the beauty of revival. Psalms 85 verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Maybe we all need to be awakened again out of 
Satan's tricks to lull us and diminish our impact for the kingdom. So let's dive in. Chapter 8, verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it facing the square before the water gate from early in the morning until midday in the presence of men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. I'm not going to get into all my cousin's names again, but, but y'all can go home and pronounce them when you, when, when you, when you like. We are in that, that kind of fall season, and every fall around this time, you see all of the flyers go up when you hit Target. Halloween, come get all, come use all your money, come buy some candy. And, and at, during Halloween, all the candy goes on sale, and the M&Ms go on sale. Now, I like M&Ms a whole lot. Could you imagine during, during trick-or-treat and you go up to somebody's house, say trick-or-treat, and they give you one M&M? One M&M? Family, we're going to see in these first 12 verses the beauty of a collective voice. Of, of the masses all together blessing God. You're going to see in these first 12 that the people are speaking about what is to bring forth revival, not the leaders, the people. So you see, they, they in verse 1, they tell Ezra, Ezra, go get the book. Ezra, go, go get God's word. Ezra, we need to hear from God. Go get the book. And so they, they get the Torah, those first five books, and they, and they saw those first five books in, in a way kind of like we do in our lives today as our Bible. We see it as God's word spoken for how we are to live. They saw the book as what would lead them and guide them. Let's see what else they say. Verse five. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen. Amen. Lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Continuing past some of my, my, my amazing people's names. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. How do we bless the Lord? That term bless actually in, 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 its, in its original etymology, in the original way that it was created, means to kneel. It has, it has the connotation of worship, of, of, of worshiping, of giving ourselves back to God. And so we bless the Lord when we worship the Lord. And Ezra blesses the Lord by simply reading God's word. Do, 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 do you believe that you can bless God? Do you believe that God blesses you? I'm sure. 
I'm sure. I'm sure if I'm sure you are the recipient of some God blessings and you know what it's like to 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 be a person who even knows that you don't deserve it. You've experienced grace, but you've experienced some blessings from God. But what does it look like for us? These feeble creations that can see all of our flaws to be able to bless the Lord. It happens when we worship him. And clearly here it's saying you can open up your Bible. And in the moment that you're opening up and choosing to forego other things and say, I'm going to read, I'm now blessing God. But notice there's a couple other things they do. They, 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 they start to speak audibly saying, amen. So that's not just a multicultural church thing or a black church thing. Hey, y'all didn't know. Nehemiah's homies was like, amen, amen. <laughs> you see that? You see that? It's, it's, amen means it is so. It is, it is a verbal affirmation that what you are speaking, we agree with and it is true. And so as he's reading God's word and God's word is speaking to their lives, they're saying, we believe that. As he's saying these different truths, they're saying, we believe that. We'll submit to that. That is truth. But then they begin to lift their hands. They begin to show a posture of surrender of worship, a, a, a continued blessing of God. You see, there's, there's something in here for each of us. Something for each of us. Maybe you might be the person that, that reads the word. Maybe you might be the person that meditates on the word. Maybe you might be the person that affirms verbally, amen, amen. I'm with you, pastor, amen. But maybe you might be the person who doesn't say a thing, but just... We all are blessing the Lord. And that is that is one of the means by which revival comes in. When we have that that posture of kneeling, that posture of blessing. And lastly, we have some with their faces to the ground. Down. Head bowed, knowing that, man, this holy place that I am in, I'm experiencing a beautiful and loving God. And so my posture is going to be one of reverence. Because before you, I would bow as the king of kings. I'm sweating. Y'all hot or is it just me? Okay. You know, just to be. Uh... And so y'all know at some point, I usually try to engage my youth that are here. So I need, I need three youth volunteers or kids. All right, Brian, what I want you to do is I want you to stand up and raise your hands. Keep your hands lifted. Micah, I want you to put your head on the pew before you. There we go. And I need a third. No third. Y'all know I will call on you. Shiloh. I want you to say, amen, amen, again and again. All right, we got you. Okay, now Micah, if I didn't tell you, you can sit up now. (laughs) If I didn't tell you, and B, you can sit down. If I didn't tell you what they were doing, would you have known what Brian was doing? Brian. 
with your arms lifted, were you focused on what Micah was doing? Shiloh, I think we get, I think we get the point. What happens in revival, and thank you all, what happens in revival is that the power, the love, and the presence of God frees us up to worship where we don't care about what anybody else is doing. There is a humility where at this moment, because I'm, in the rever- because I'm in the presence of God, I will now get on my knees. I will lift my hands. I will shout out to how good he is. And for this moment, because of what he's doing to me, actually what he's doing to all of us, don't nothing else matter. Nothing else matters. And, and that is what excites me about you all. That's what excites me about this church. That's what excites me about the God that is moving in our church body. Ken asked me a, a question last week that I've been wrestling with. It was, it, was, it was in passing, and sorry I put you out there, brother, but you know I love you. He said, uh, he came up after church. He said, hey, pastor, like, just how could I be used here at the church? Tell me, tell me how I can be used. It's a beautiful question, bruh. Beautiful question. It's been, I've been thinking about it all week. So I've been thinking about it. I ain't get back to you, but I've been thinking about it all week. And, and, and what I love about revival is revival is, is God coming to each of us and saying to you, I want to use you free of any fear. I want to use you in a beautiful way to glorify my name. I want to see you Reflect me in the brightest way possible. And I don't want you to care about what anybody else thinks. You see, I'm, I'm actually kind of scared of what a Mac ab would look like if all of us couldn't care about what nobody thought but Jesus. That's revival. That's, that's the, the, the waking you up out of being asleep and drawing you back to him like when you first met him, like when he first grabbed your heart. That's revival. And so I want to free you up. Maybe your past is very different. But next Sunday, if you want to come in here and you a really calm and chill person and you want to come in here and say, hallelujah, I want to free you up. Say hallelujah. If you want to come up here and sit before this area and bow down because you feel like, man, I'm just carrying some stuff and I want to go to this beautiful and holy God. And I know it's not prayer time yet, but I feel like praying. I'm going to model it for you so that you can see it's welcomed here. It is welcomed here. If you want to shout out to your God. Because of how good he has been to you this week or because somehow you made it here this week, considering all that you went through this week, you come here and feel free to shout. I'm excited to see God free us up and we be able to ask that question. All right, Lord, how do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? I'm uh, I, I, I love walking through the hood because when you walk through the hood you see stuff that just catches you off guard so you'll see somebody with headphones on or maybe you don't even see the headphones they got the earbuds on and they're just walking down the street and then boom 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 
boom, but you don't hear their music. So they, they look crazy to you, but they hear the music. They hear the music, and when they hear the music, it does something in them. Mac, I'm looking for, for every person in here to have on a set of headphones with God playing his tune to you and you dancing to your own rhythm. But we collectively, oh, we collectively having a concert, y'all. We are collectively worshiping him. And, and I'm going to get to you real two seconds. I'm going to get to you. I'm excited about that. And I'm, and I'm scared. I'm scared because, because I, know, I know the reality of that, of that fear that hinders you from being that person. I, I shared this with my Matt group probably two years ago, maybe, maybe a little longer, that, that forever I feel like the Lord has like leaned on me to say, Leon, like, I want you, I want you to worship me through dance. I want you to worship me through dance. And when I was in college, I was a part of a dance ministry at my church uh, and haven't danced since. And now everything floods that, right? It's, it's, well, man, you danced a long time ago. Now you're 40. Can you still dance? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, but you're a pastor. What, what, what will the congregation think to see a pastor out dancing somewhere? What? What? What, what, will the, what will the young people think when you can't dance like young people? And what will the old people think when there's a reverence for the pastoral role? And what will the, the like, and all, so everything begins to flood and you get overwhelmed and slowly lulled away. And I'm wanting us, I'm wanting for myself, for revival to take place where we are free to say, all right, Lord, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the worry, in the midst of the doubt, use me. And that, and, and that is, the, that is a, a, a Mac Ab that's going to go crazy. We're going to have somebody using gardening, somebody creating a think tank, somebody using, uh, this is going to be stuff that we couldn't even imagine. And that's, and that's the beauty of his church. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. And what he's doing is okay for visitors. We raise our hands and like ask a question. If you need understanding and clarity of the gospel, we want to provide that. If it's something that's like small and like a point that you really want to understand, but it's not like to bless the whole body, please see me afterwards. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. So his brother's saying, hey, like the, the things that we are, we want to see freedom, but also freedom with order. And and how do we walk that line? And I, I celebrate that. I think that's a great wisdom. But I think I want to I want y'all to put that on the responsibility of myself and the elders slash Jenny, who helps us think logistically. And I say that because if we have an issue with like too many people getting excited, we, we'll buy some sheets and start laying them over people. <laughs> 
If, if, if it's like, man, the front row is just too congested because people want to come up here and pray on their knees. Well, guess what? We're going to take out two pews. Like, like, like we, we will respond logistically to make sure that the house is in order. But, but don't but f- be free. Let us be free. My sister. Ooh, good question. She said, why does it matter? Somebody has a back tattoo. We're going to answer that one. Round two of the service. I got you. I, I, think, I think what he's just trying to say is sometimes uh, a, a person, uh, a per, a one person's freedom could lead towards another person's temptation. And, and just trying to have order take place in the house. And that, that's where we're rolling. We're not going to, nope, nope, nope. You can't respond. Let's keep it moving. Indeed. Indeed. And so... Verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. I, 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 um, sometimes spiritual development can be pretty simple. It's my job as a pastor, as well as your elder's job, to think through what does spiritual growth look like in the environment of MacAv? And we, we take that very seriously. And actually, we have elder meetings coming up that we're asking you guys to be praying about, that God would continue to give us wisdom in that regard. But we, we, we stand in an era that I'm going just to just try to make the timeline and get right to my point. My point is this. Uh, for most of Christianity, people have not had Bibles, have not had small groups, have not had these like different like, like uh, core aspects of what the church is today. Like, 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 like there were scribes who would write out full Bibles. And, and if you wanted to buy a Bible, it was like two years of your salary. Like the printing press wasn't, wasn't even created till recently. Why am I saying all that recently in the scan, scan of how long the Bible's been here? I'm saying all that because what would happen is a person would preach. Then verse 8, another person might explain it. And then people would go home and try to live it out. And it was just that simple for ages upon ages. And we want to see each of you grow. But to some degree, your growth ain't dependent on me. It ain't dependent on the elders. Your growth is dependent upon the spirit making you hungry. And revival is you having a new hunger for Christ. And when you hungry, ain't nobody getting in your way. You don't have to wait on the Wednesday Bible study or the Mac group to meet or not. When you're hungry, you, you find a way to grow, to make it happen. And so it's cool that even in passing, verse 8 says, the people understood the reading. Understanding was never separated from life application. So people heard the word, somebody broke it down, and then the people went out and said, Let's try to live this thing. Verse nine. 
and Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. They understood the words that were declared to them. Family, repentance is really important. It is a healthy part of revival. Revival, we're seeing here, the word is opened. The word is what speaks to people. People begin to understand it. And one of the responses that happens in this section of the text is that the people respond grieving. They respond like, whoa, we got in this situation because of us. We, We was kicked out of our place and taken over by these rulers because we was disobedient to you, God. We turned our backs on you, God. And I love Ezra and Nehemiah's approach. Their approach is to say, don't stay there. Yes, you got to repent. Repentance is a part of what sanctification is. Repentance is a part of what it means to live out the gospel. But if I stay at a point of repentance, I'm going to feel depressed. If I stay at a point of repentance, I'm going to feel overwhelmed by shame. If I stay only in a place of repentance, which is a holy aspect, I'm going to feel like I can never be used by you because I'm so bad. But I love that they say to them repeatedly, do not mourn or weep. Do not mourn or weep. Do not grieve for the joy of of the Lord is your strength. Joy of the Lord is your strength. So now is this is not a this is not a time of beating y'all down for all that you've done wrong. This is actually a time of rejoicing in what God has revived in you and given you a chance to experience which is joy in him. Joy in him. When's the last time you experienced joy? It's, it, it, it would, it, what, what, what our minds are prone to think when we see verse 10 say, uh, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You begin to think of strength like, like power, like, like the ability to push forward. And, and that is not this term's definition. This term's definition, strength, actually means protection. It means fortress. It means uh, uh, God's presence is what keeps you. And so for these people who had just been kicked out, well, I shouldn't say just been, excuse me. They had been kicked out a couple of generations of their hometown and they're coming back. And now they're hearing God's word, open them up, and they're being, being awakened, and they feel bad. Man, look what we did. Look at what our forefathers did. Now to hear, I know what Nehemiah did. 
Now to hear God saying, I know what Nehemiah did. He built all these walls. He fortified the city. And guess what? You come back in and you see your city rebuilt. And I don't even want you to put your faith in that. Because I am your fortress. I am your strength. I am the one who protects you. I am your refuge. So you can have joy even in the midst of having just been displaced, just returned home. Why? Because your joy is in me and who I am, not even in what you see. That's revival. When our, when our mindset is taken away from just the material things that we see, though good, though God used those, and we can see an eternal perspective of God being our strength, our protector, our fortress. Our fortress. So then in verse 13, and on the second day, the heads of fathers and houses of all the Jenny, you hit that uh, app for me, help me out. Uh, On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the, the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it was written. And this is a key verse in this section. So the people went out and brought them and made both booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate, in the square at the gate of Ephraim. Family, I hope you guys see like, like Macav. One of the things we believe happens, we we believe you can have an Ezra, Nehemiah, people of God experience when the the word of God is read. So even my preaching style, like I I try to reread the scriptures even while I'm preaching because I believe that God's word is what truly opens you up. Not my storytelling, not my whack jokes, like nothing, nothing. What, what, what actually will change your life is God's word. And so we try to even read that when we are preaching. But I love here that what happens to the assembly of the people moves from a corporate experience where everybody is listening to Ezra and they incorporate that corporate experience actually into a personal experience. And so, so what, was, what was required of the people of God at that time was to have this feast, there's supposed to be this, this ritual. Has, has anybody in the room ever played a, a sport? Raise your hand if you played a sport, okay? Uh, if you haven't played a sport, have you ever been um, a part of an activity where you received a medal or a trophy? Yep, got some heads, okay. That, that, that trophy or that medal is supposed to represent an accomplishment. And each time you look at that medal, or that trophy, it reminds you, I put in some hard work and played soccer, or I, I went ahead and, you know, was number one in the spelling bee, or, or whatever. That, that thing serves as a reminder of the experience. This, this Feast of Booths experience 
is, is a call to remind the people of God that there was a season where you were wandering in wilderness. And what I did as your God, I saved you from that season of wilderness. And that season was temporary. That season was, had a start and a finish. That season, while I was caring for you, I brought you out of it. And so what God calls them to do is to set up a booth. They had to go on top of their house, build this little booth, and each day you're supposed to go into it and worship God. But what it's supposed to do is remind you that living on this earth is temporary. And that no matter what season you might go through, how bad it is, even if it feels like the wilderness, God can bring you out. And so what what took place from a corporate standpoint of the whole body together actually gets sent out personally. Gets sent out and God says, now go do this at your house. Go do this at your house. Go do this at your house. Build something that reminds you just like that, just like that trophy reminds you that this God cares for you and will pull you out of the wilderness, will care for you. And revive you even when there's been a lull in your spiritual life. Mac family, I'm, 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 I'm excited to, to, to see next week. Uh, we, we, we ordered 200 sets of headphones. And uh, next week, all y'all going to put some headphones on. Uh, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to see. You, you, you dancing to the rhythm that God has for you. I believe it's going to work in tandem with the vision of this church and be a unified presence in our community. But first, sometimes it starts with repentance. It starts with recognizing, have I been lulled? Do I no longer expect God to do some stuff? Am I kind of just... Loving him, but going through the motions. I pray we're going to see through each week a different way that God revives his people. This week was through the word and through personal worship in the home. Next week is going to be a little bit more focused on confession. If you are a person that is hearing all this and you're like, man, uh, that revival thing sounds interesting but I've never initially felt the fire. I've never officially felt drawn and close to God. And I want to offer you that opportunity today. I want to offer you the opportunity for God to meet you where you are, to speak clearly to you his message of love and his desire to see you not lead your own way, but to hear him guide and care for you. If you have not yet accepted Christ in your life, then we want to be a church that walks with you through that. And after this service, I will be waiting up front. Please come talk to me. But even if you feel the fear or if something hinders you from coming up front, we want you to be able to accept Christ in your heart. And that just might take place in the pew. Mac family, will you pray with me? Lord, we are excited to see revival take place. We're excited to see it start in our hearts, Lord, but that it flows from the beauty of your word.
And we pray, Lord, that we will be a people who hunger for your word. Let your word speak to us. Let your word move us. Let your word lead us to worship you, whether it's affirming you verbally, laying down on the ground, lifting our hands, whatever, God. Free us up that we would not fear what others think, but only want to please you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.